Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon session of FinWeek, where we will look into fintech ecosystems in Europe. I will start with bringing the speakers up. First, Martin, welcome to our stage here. Uh, Martin, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience here before you sit down. Hello, my name is Martin Krendel. I represent here the attorney's uh, office, Prosman Pavlovich, and uh, it's an honor to be here with you and to speak uh, on the, the exciting themes that we await in today's discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Martin Grenu. Martin Peter, Head of Banking Department, Minister of Finance of the Slovak Republic. Hi, my name is Martin Peter. I'm the Head of the Department and also the Head of the uh, Center for Financial Innovation, where we have at the Ministry of Finance. Looking forward for a interesting discussion. Peter Pensesh, Head of Payment Services and Innovation Section of the National Bank of Slovakia. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm from the National Bank of Slovakia. Perfect to have you here. Then we are online participants. We start with Javier Corman. I'm very happy to be to be with you today and thanks for listening. Thank you very much. And I'm Shmuel Ben Tovim, all the way from Israel. Hi everybody. Israeli economist and president of the fintech community in Israel. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you, everyone. I'm happy to meet all of you and to meet my friend Javier again. Wish you a successful panel. Thank you. And I would like to thank our partners of this event. That will be the Embassy of Israel in Slovakia. Ministry of Finance of the Slovak Republic, National Bank of Slovakia, 365 Bank, Binance, Visa, Fumbi Networks, and our supporters, Oracle and Embers of the Slovak Republic in Washington. And the expert guarantee is FINAS, the FinTech and InsurTech Association of Slovakia. So that is the introduction. Let the show begin, right? So let's start. How to build a successful fintech ecosystem? Javier, would you like to comment on how can we build a successful fintech ecosystem? Why not in Slovakia or in Central and Eastern Europe? So um, I don't know how to do it in, in Bratislava. I don't know how to do it in uh, Central Europe, but I can share what we did in Belgium. Um, first, we create uh, Belgium as a bottom-up association. So uh, it's an association created by the fintechs. Uh, it was uh, six years ago, and then the event, and we became the unique point uh, to meet uh, fintechs and also the single point of contact with uh, policy makers and regulators. And I think when we talk with uh, politics, they have a role to play uh, to, 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 to attract companies and to develop an ecosystem. And I think this role is more in the, in the environment. So it's to have an environment that is uh, positive uh, to create new ways, to create, to use new technologies. And, uh, and then it's also the 
the way, for example, the European regulation is implemented in the country. Um, so uh, we, we push always the, the, the Belgian regulators in our case uh, to, uh, to avoid gold plating and to avoid to do a stronger uh, or stronger interpretation in the regulation than our neighbors, just to avoid uh, a negative competitive effect. And then if you have um, uh, a good environment, uh, a good environment for uh, to, to, to set up and create new companies uh, together with uh, policymakers and regulators that are open mind to uh, new technologies and new players, then you have the first uh, steps and the, the first bricks that are necessary to build this ecosystem. But the, 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 final, uh, the final movement and the final energy must come from the companies themselves. It's impossible for the public to create themselves a company. It's the, the, the entrepreneurs who, who have to do that and a good way to attract them and to motivate them. And I would like to get a comment from Peter Penzesh. Head of Payment Service and Innovation Section, because that goes hand in hand with what Javier was just talking about, I think. How do you see this from the regulator's point of view and are more working with innovation at the bank? Exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I was pleased to hear from Javier uh, that he stressed the role of the, of the private market uh, sector in creating the fintech environment, because I think it's, it's vital that the uh, fintech ecosystem uh, is uh, or comprises good interaction between private players and uh, public authorities. Uh, it's the private players that should create the pool. And uh, it should be the public authorities that should respond, that should push in the direction of, of uh, cultivating the uh, fintech environment. And there are uh, many ways the public authorities can respond to the pool from, from the market. Uh, for me, one of the most important uh, things is that the public authorities listen uh, to what the private uh, players uh, are saying, uh, and uh, also they, that they interact with uh, pri private players uh, through many different ways. Uh, and one of them is, for example, to involve them uh, in, in decision-making, in, in creating new rules, uh, and then uh, also to inform them uh, about the new rules that are coming so that the uh, re regulatory compliance costs uh, can be foreseen uh, with, in advance. And then uh, there are two, two other tools that are quite popular uh, over the past few years among uh, public authorities and especially supervisors, and it's the sandboxes and innovation hubs. These are the interfaces between supervisors and uh, private market players that enable uh, public authorities to gather first-hand information from the market, uh, interact with those uh, with most innovative ideas, uh, on a either short-term basis in hubs or long-term basis in the sandboxes, and also give them guidance how to uh, adjust uh, their uh, business uh, in line with expectations of the supervisors. So uh, 
the uh, it, it says that uh, it takes two to tango, and I think it takes two to create uh, and maintain a viable uh, fintech ecosystem. Thank you. And uh, how do you see the future for cross-border payments, which is still today, 2021, slow and somewhat costly, since uh, that seems to be your area of expertise? Yeah, I think the immediate next step is the instant payments uh, that are launched in, in some countries already and that are launching in, in Slovakia next year. So that that's, we expect will be uh, a, a big change. Thank you. Uh, anybody would like to comment? Martin Peter, Martin Krendel, or Shmuel, or Javier? I would like to comment on the uh, ecosystem that was part of your initial questions. Uh, as you have mentioned, uh, our group is called the FinTech Community of Israel. Not association, and not lobby, but a community. Because we actually believe in the strength of an ecosystem. An ecosystem means that all the interested parties, everyone who has interest in fintech is part of this community. And very much like Javier mentioned, we are not only a group of fintech companies. Of course, they make a great deal of our membership, but we also have the financial institutions, the regulators, the academia, uh, consultants, investors. So everyone who has some interest in fintech is part of the group. And I think this is a very major element in building an ecosystem which is supportive to innovation and to the young companies because they have free and open lines of communication with everyone they need, either be investors or the regulators or others. And maybe down this discussion, we can also discuss the regulatory environment in Israel, which is a story by itself. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope we can come back to the regulatory environment a little bit later, because it's interesting to learn from what Israel is doing right in that area. Anybody would like to comment here? Uh, Martin I, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> from the Ministry of Finance. Uh, one question to Schmeil. Uh, the thing that you don't have uh, lobbying or lobby in your name, does it mean that you do not lobby or no? <laughs> with the government? No. <laughs> of course, uh, I think it's very good when, uh, as you said, that uh, you have a community, also what Xavier said, that you have a community of fintechs, uh, individuals, companies, that are uh, that are lobbying, that are pushing, uh, pre doing some pressure on the on the government, on the on the supervisory regulatory uh, authorities. I would just come back very shortly how it is or how it was uh, in Slovakia. How it is, uh, I think sometimes you when there is no uh, uh, no pressure from the private companies, uh, sometimes also the state organizations needs to step step in and and uh, to to somehow boost uh, uh, the dialogue uh, in this regard uh, i think the, this was it uh, with the center for financial innovation at the ministry of finance uh, we we set 2018 
and we were active together with uh, National Bank of Slovakia in in initiating the discussion on fintech, and I think it uh, it worked quite well. And now we are in a situation where where also the private companies, fri- private associations, they put uh, quite a tremendous pressure on us. Uh, in some ways, uh, non-face-to-face uh, identification or or, or uh, blockchain-based companies and their problems to open uh, bank accounts. So, these are the topics that are that are uh, regulatory uh, now discussed uh, qu- quite intensely here in Slovakia. And we, I think, it's very important to discuss. We are open to discussion. It doesn't mean we always listen, but we discuss. Yes, uh, and uh, and I think it's very important also for us, uh, from the regulatory point of view, as a ministry, uh, uh, to have the mirror because uh, I was uh, once part of the uh, during the Slovak presidency uh, the preparation of the fifth AML directive. And uh, we had a very intense discussions with uh, our colleagues from uh, from uh, European Commission, and you, were, you you saw on their approach that they they were really willing to do the right thing, but uh, based on their knowledge uh, from from the office. So, uh, the, 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 in some ways, there there was uh, the the uh, interaction with the market participants was missing. And I think good uh, fintech or startup or innovation uh, uh, landscape and ecosystem needs uh, open dialogue and also uh, private particip- participants who are willing to discuss uh, with uh, with state authorities. Uh, and for us then to 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 do something with uh, what what we've learned from the discussions. Thank you. Thank you. Do you see any role of the? Ministry to also promote fintech in Slovakia, or you're just using, um, acting like um, you're receiving information from the industry, no, I, or the ministry no. acting proactively as well. Uh, we 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 were proactive uh, since the beginning. We try to be proactive. Uh, sometimes it's possible from the highest uh, levels, but I think and I believe more in like uh, creating a team. And uh, and uh, in, uh, interaction between right-minded people who who are willing to do something with uh, innovation and fintech, and I think we we should be we should be active uh, because we are we are we are masters of taxation. For example, we can uh, have a say on education. Uh, we can also uh, we have measures. How to boost uh, funding in some way? So, so yeah, ministry should be should be active, and I hope uh, we we will be even more active as we are now. Very interesting. I would like to give the word to Martin Krender, who will comment on this, since he is one from the industry instead. Yeah, I I think that uh, the steps that the ministry and the, and the national bank are taking are really seen and appreciated. In the in the private sector, and uh, I, I also think that this is a two way two way relationship for, in which both sides can learn from each other, because uh, from the regulatory point of view, I see a divide between where the regulation is at its current state and uh, the state of 
cutting edge technology. And I think that uh, activities such as you, my, two, my two colleagues here described are, uh, are instrumental in, uh, in closing the gap and uh, getting, getting uh, the regulators uh, to get hands-on experience with new technologies to understand them as well as, well as, the, as the companies and the landscape in the, in the private sector. And then uh, to, to uh, pass regulation which will, which will uh, promote growth and uh, other opportunities for both uh, the state to, uh, to profit and also for the private sector. And the current trends in policy implication, emerging trends, what do we see, what is happening when it comes to regulation in this area? I think that could be for one of you two. I don't know who's most suitable for this follow-up. Maybe I can start. So, Thank you. Yeah, in case of Turkey, we are part of European Union. Uh, the most important policy decisions in the area of financial services are being done at the level of European Commission. Uh, and we see that the European Commission understands that uh, we are in 21st century and the world uh, is changing every day. Uh, possibly the most uh, revolutionary file that is now uh, before uh, the legislators at the European level is uh, the uh, regulation on uh, crypto assets. Uh, this sector uh, is, is new, but it's not more than 12 years old. Uh, it's not been regulated so far, and now it seems that there is already a need or uh, also a case for, for regulating uh, this sector. Uh, and I think it will bring a lot of benefits to uh, crypto asset uh, entrepreneurs because uh, they are now uh, in a gray zone, uh, having more clarity, having clear rules on what is expected from them will, will certainly uh, help them somehow to... Uh, also be seen as more legitimate part of uh, financial services. Uh, and the other strong uh, push we see uh, at the EU level is uh, uh, importance that is now uh, being given to uh, IT security. There is a large file uh, before legislators that should uh, set higher standards for uh, IT security across all uh, regulated uh, institutions, uh, including uh, crypto asset providers. And maybe third area is AML. Uh, there we see uh, recurring uh, uh, activities at the EU level aiming at uh, bringing uh, more precise rules uh, in order to diminish the risks uh, connected with uh, money laundering. So uh, in terms of uh, the, the initiatives, these are possibly the, the largest. And then there are others uh, which are maybe even more linked to this discussion. There is this initiative to link existing uh, regulatory sandboxes uh, among uh, national supervisors. So I think that would also bring uh, concrete benefits to the market because that will enable 
to test innovative uh, solutions, not only in one country, but across more countries uh, in, in the European Union on the whole single market. Just, if I may add, one important uh, initiative, or it's a group of initiatives on the European level, is the new AML rules that are on the table. It will, all of you who are from the private sector, it will, uh, it will touch you all, because we will have a more centralized anti-money laundering system in the EU. There is a regulation on the new authority, the European Anti-Money Laundering Authority, that will supervise and coordinate the AML uh, throughout the whole uh, Europe. And so I think this is also very important because compliance from you who are uh, from, from the private uh, sector, you know that compliance costs and barriers of entry that are created by the costs of compliance are relatively high. Uh, so it will add up, uh, but on the other hand may in some way harmonize uh, uh, the, the approaches towards, uh, towards uh, anti-man laundering and more specifically KYC, know your customer, and uh, due diligence processes. So I think that's, a, that's negative also, but also positive uh, information. And on the national level, uh, we, we now do in cooperation with the National Bank and also with the police uh, forces, the Financial Intelligence Unit, the analysis of risk uh, embedded with the new technologies. It's part of the Moneywell uh, evaluation of Slovakia and also uh, the, the overall uh, risk evaluation of Slovakia, where we want to, uh, where we want to uh, identify potential risks uh, connected with the new technologies, and also come uh, come, uh, come with uh, come with uh, some solutions or or processes that will ease or mitigate these risks. Uh, so, in order to to uh, maybe diminish some barriers of entry or to make some processes clearer also for market par participants. So they will know what processes are required by the FIU uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the AML KYC uh, uh, processes in their businesses. Yeah. Thank you. I have one question from the audience for you as well. What exact steps will the Minister of Finance execute to support Slovak fintechs? It's a very specific question. I'm not here to answer a specific question. No, I'm, uh, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, I, I, I touched upon this. Uh, there, there, there is a quite intense discussion about uh, some uh, aspects of taxation of startups. Uh, so not just fintechs, but, uh, but startups uh, as such. Uh, there are there are certain measures that can be that, that can help, uh, uh, for example, um, uh, uh, options. I don't know uh, the, the the shares or options uh, for shares uh, of uh, startups. So uh, it's a measure or it's a it's a way how you can attract uh, experts, skilled people from abroad, and the taxation. Uh, in Slovakia now is that you have to pay the tax in advance. So this is quite heavily discussed issue uh, uh, now, one, one specific. Uh, 
I think the 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 cooperation with the national bank, even if national bank will fully operate the the regulatory sandbox, was quite intense also on our side. So so there are certain certain issues and certain things we are active in, and uh, they are rather specific. Uh, and of course, we want to come. We we work on this quite uh, quite uh, for a long time to come come up with a really strategy or 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 action plan that will that will comprise uh, or include specific actions that can help uh, fintech. We work on it. Uh, we will also share it with the uh, CFI members uh, in a couple of weeks. And we will try to try to come up with something that is reasonable, and not just strategy for strategy because you know how it works, uh, but uh, really something that we we will have a support from the private uh, and also from the public sector that we we can really follow uh, in the next couple of years how to how to increase uh, or improve the fintech, but also um, in more general startup uh, startup uh, environment in Slovakia. Thank you. So in summary, it's a mix of uh, policy regulation that is discussed and negotiated with the fintech industry and taxation. No, no, it's uh, it's more it's more complex. I would say uh, it has also uh, questions related to taxation, but it has uh, uh, regulatory things uh, concerning uh, uh, concerning uh, investments, how to uh, easily use. Uh, uh, shares and uh, share uh, uh, company like uh, constructs, also education. So it's it's a mix of uh, policy and non-policy measures that can be used uh, uh, to to boost the fintech and startup environment. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for answering the very specific question. Now I have another question from the audience, and I think Shmuel would be useful for this question. That is, how can um, Slovak ecosystems cooperate, let's say, with Israeli ecosystems, and what can we learn from Israel, and how can we cooperate? What do you think, Shmuel? Okay, first of all, I believe that I'm only one of this panel who do not represent an EU country. So uh, we have many advantages, but uh, we are not part of uh, the Union, and it has some disadvantages because for instance, in matters of regulation, we have uh, to do our own job. When I say we, is of course our regulators, our parliament, and sometimes in the way of adapting what has been agreed and common even in Europe, uh, it takes more time to adopt over here. So uh, Slovakia can definitely become an entry uh, point for Israeli companies who want to do business in Europe under European regulations. And um, because uh, not very much I know about your market, but I do know that uh, there are many, many skillful people. The costs are not as high as would be maybe in in Germany or in in France. So there is an opportunity here. Uh, down the road, I believe there will be more harmonization of regulation. Uh, it was mentioned already that in the sandbox area, uh, GFIN and other organizations are trying to create a mechanism by which 
one country's uh, sandbox will be recognized by others. Uh, the bad news is that we don't have a sandbox yet. And this is not because the regulators of the industry doesn't want it, but only because we had a political crisis for almost three years where our parliament was actually paralyzed and uh, nothing could be passed. But this is on the way to be fixed. I hope that by the end of this year, we'll have a regulatory sandbox. And then it, it again creates an opportunity uh, to work together with other European uh, companies and, and uh, regulatory frameworks. So uh, companies that were admitted to the Israeli sandbox will have a more easy way into the European one and, and vice versa. Thank you. We already have uh, quite many Israeli startups in the European Union, mainly in Malta, Cyprus, and some in Bulgaria as well. So hopefully Slovakia can be on the list in the future as well. It could be a foothold for the Israeli industry. Why not? Yeah, what they do in other countries is mostly uh, development work. So uh, their R&D is done in other countries, which is, of course, an opportunity for Slovakia. But I think the Slovakian market for itself, maybe in European terms, it is considered to be not a big one. But for a small country like Israel, you know, it can double the market scope of a company. So you can't uh, really downgrade it. Thank you. I have a new question from the audience here. What steps are planned to remove barriers in digitalization of retail banking industry? Under legislative, digital signature is not allowed for mortgages, for example. That must be for either from the central bank or from the Ministry of Finance again. You are very wanted today. Just uh, could you repeat the, the, about the what mortgage? steps are planned to remove barriers in digitalization of the retail banking industry? Under Slovak legislative, digital signatures are still not allowed, for example, for mortgages. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, about the digital si signature, like there are. Uh, yeah, okay, there are possible ways how to do it now, but they are not as, as simple as some, some private uh, private uh, uh, initiatives on the, on the market. Uh, I consider this as one uh, of the crucial things that uh, we, in fact, do not have an easy way how to, how to di digitally sign, uh, uh, sign documents in Slovakia. And uh, I know in Czech Republic, I think there there was an initiative together with banks. They use, I think, the cards uh, for for digital signature. Uh, in Slovakia, we do not have such an initiative. Uh, there is Slovensko SK. I don't know if I can even mention this, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I know about the project uh, that that's. Uh, in the shelf, uh, how you shufliku, uh, uh, considering the digital or e even e-signature, and uh, I think this is uh, because when you go and when you see uh, the other jurisdictions, for example, last time I was uh, I was doing something with uh, Singapore, and uh, the, the 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 cornerstone of the innovation in, in their 
governmental services was was uh, e-signature. So I think this is something we we have to focus on, and uh, we we have to do something with because uh, there are there is no governmental uh, government backed easy way how to sign, uh, and it can help definitely. It can help. Yes. Uh, do you think it has to be government-backed or could it be created by the commercial banks and approved by the government as well? Uh, I think at where are we in the discussion now, I think it's open. So so there is there is not, nothing uh, specific on the table. Uh, so all initiatives are, uh, or all ways how to, how to solve this is, uh, are open at the time. For example, in the Nordic countries, is the commercial banking system provide, providing these IDs? Also in uh, Denmark? The Nordic uh, countries, Denmark, yeah. Norway, Finland, even Estonia. Uh, anyway, let's um, see if anybody else wants to comment on this before we continue. Anybody else want to say something? Yes, you should have something to say, Martin Krendel. Yeah, you should have a comment on this. Yeah. Um, it's really appreciated to hear uh, to hear uh, the regulators and the, the Ministry of Finance uh, to be open to private initiatives because I really think that uh, this could spring some uh, some solution in the in the long run and that the inclusion of, of private sector may be may be a way out under the supervision of, of ministry and on, of the regulators and that that the technology that is out there can be can be altered on or can be can be uh, modified to serve this need and to to help you translate your good intentions into into life more easily uh, more readily and and to to uh, make you make you more reactive to the to the needs and in and the environment i think i'll just ask one thing because uh, uh, in the past i was i was uh, told that uh, i speak a lot about a lot a lot of things and then uh, the realization is uh, something we need to see so 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 in this regard, what we discussed at the beginning, that there is a, what is, there is a need for pressure for, 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 from private uh, sector. I think it's very important that also if there are issues like e-signature or, or uh, other barriers, that the private sector is really active in this regard and really put uh, pressure, uh, initiates dialogue, uh, or comes with uh, its own solutions of some 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 issues, uh, because only sometimes only this is the way how uh, the the state uh, machinery uh, can be like you know uh, initiated to to move forward. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> that is that is great. To, that is great to hear, and it is also a a call up on you, private sector, <laughs> to get together and put some pressure on them. <laughs> yes, Javier, please. Uh, yes, I, I I think something important for the development of fintechs is to have a, a, a huge adoption by the by the individuals, by the consumers. And uh, then comes the risk of, uh, of uh, cybersecurity, uh, etc. So I think um, one good point to start with is to have a, a frictionless identification scheme, uh, probably through a combination of uh, uh, ID and application. 
but something that is frictionless because uh, an ID with a chip that you have to use with a reader, etc., it's not frictionless. And when you start with a frictionless, frictionless um, identification system, uh, then people start to use much more uh, everything about uh, digital finance uh, and, and in a wide scale, it's not only for payments, but for every every usage. And then the policymakers have a role to play on that because they can be the motivator for the public sector, uh, for the private sorry, uh, to win it uh, something new. Uh, in Belgium, we have a, a company called uh, EID. Um, uh, it's a company who developed uh, an application on mobile phone. Uh, when you uh, create your own identification with your uh, EID, and then with this application, you can connect to a lot of uh, different uh, websites, and among them, the the, the 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 government ones. So if you need uh, an official document, if you need to download something, if you need to see your pension, whatever, you use the applic this application. And then this application is also used in a variety of private companies like banks, uh, but the, the post, etc., uh, etc. Et and such adoption by the individuals. And through this adoption, then you can increase the usage and then and you can make very successful um, new companies based on those technologies and uh, to also decrease the cost of usage of those services because it's frictionless and then you have a mass of individuals, consumers using those services. So I think this is a good way for the policymakers, for the government uh, to, to motivate the private sector uh, to move in that direction. So I think with this and uh, the other point, and uh, you talk about that already, but I think that uh, uh, the, the, the supervisors and the regulators to play an active role on promoting new business. And, 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 and I heard about sandbox, uh, but it's not only about building sandbox, it's also a general view and general, and general uh, analysis of the, the new projects. Uh, then first, uh, you will attract new companies. Second, you will, you, you will build a huge experience uh, at the regulators, uh, for the regulators, uh, because the, the first one are the most difficult. And then when you see uh, 10, 20, 50 companies, you start to process them quickly, faster, and then you can also attract much more companies. So it's a learning curve that is very important. Thank you, Javier. Javier, I just want to add uh, or uh, something about Slovakia. We we uh, are not just creating the regulatory sandbox, but National Bank is operating for since 2019 uh, innovation hub. So so what you said, the general general discussion or general uh, uh, general advice on on the business uh, model and uh, and. Uh, business plan of fintechs uh, it's already here it, it works uh, uh, there were more than 60 companies uh, discussing with the national bank uh, in the past uh, three years so so the sandbox we we it's like uh, evolution of the ecosystem here in slovakia so innovation hub was the first step and then the sandbox is something like, a, like an upgrade it's a second stage. Now, so 
the companies will not only get the general advice from the regulator how to make things uh, easier, how to make things uh, better, but uh, they they will have the the opportunity also to test their projects. Uh, so so uh, I just want to underline what you said. It's very uh, important to have the general open-minded uh, discussion with the regulator. And this is what we, we, we currently have for three years, and it works quite well. And now the upgrade, the second step, is the regulatory sandbox. Of course. One additional point uh, on the importance of uh, uh, frictionless uh, online onboarding of clients. Uh, recently, we did a survey uh, of our uh, financial industry and asked about what they perceive as uh, most important trend in uh, innovations uh, on the market. And, and we received uh, almost uh, uh, unanimous uh, response that uh, it's the online onboarding of, of clients. So um, possibility for financial institutions to, to onboard clients without need to come uh, to their office uh, in order to make a contract with the financial institution. And uh, this practice uh, is already on the market. Uh, a considerable number of financial institutions are doing online onboarding of clients. What we see is the uh, divergence between uh, solutions they use. Uh, and uh, we are promoting actively uh, certain standard of online onboarding, and then we, we would like to see the market move moving uh, quite quickly to, to that standard. But I can confirm that frictionless online onboarding is is very important trend and uh, something that opens uh, digitalization to to mass retail market. Interesting with the standard way for the onboarding. Is there something uh, concrete you can say about how this standard way would look like? Uh, it's the AML legislation that sets the basic principles of, of how this should be done. Um, well, uh, and there are various, uh, often the on onboarding solution is uh, outsourced. So there are various providers who uh, have their they products and they have uh, various quality. Uh, the, the, the standard we like best is the onboarding uh, that involves uh, recording of the face of the person uh, and also uh, something that is called the test of liveliness. Uh, so the technology should enable to test whether the person that is looking to the camera is actually alive. This is the standard uh, uh, we are preferring. And the standard for actually um the ID of the person, a face is a face, it's not an ID. Uh, the way we're doing it now, scanning uh, passports and uh, ID cards and an uh, invoice for electricity or something like that looks, seems pretty primitive to me. But it's a combination of both things because uh, a person needs to scan or show its ID card. This is the way the uh, financial institution can, can read uh, who is the person and the details and then the person... Uh, needs to uh, enable the company to verify its identity and the uh, camera recording is the way how to verify the identity of the person. There is a photograph on the ID and then it's compared 
to the live image of the person. So this is how the identity is, is verified. Thank you. I think it clarifies it. Do you have any comments? No. Okay. Then we will continue. And I would like to look into the question you have from the audience here. What needs to be improved in Slovakia in order to ease business conditions for fintech firms? Are the lessons learned from operating the innovative hub? Uh, I don't know who would like to start on this question. Okay. I, maybe I can Peter, start. Because you, the, basically the, the question ended with uh, innovation hub. And innovation hub is something that we operate. So we, we started with the innovation hub uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, and we were not among the first adopters of the innovation hub in European Union. We were, I think, the 23rd country in the European Union. Uh, but since then, I think the innovation hub uh, proved to be very useful to us. Uh, it enabled us to have direct interaction with over 70 businesses so far, uh, startups and incumbents as well. So there were both types of businesses uh, that, that we are uh, communicating through Innovation Hub. Uh, and I think it helped us to better understand uh, what is the need of the market. We see uh, that there is a lot of demand uh, for clarity in the area of crypto assets and in the area of payment services. So these are the most uh, prominent uh, uh, members or, or those who come to us uh, through the Innovation Hub and ask for, uh, ask for advice. Uh, we give them advice, but we also want to move a bit uh, further, not to only deal with individual cases, but also make some generalizations on the basis of interactions we have uh, from the Innovation Hub. And this is going to the maybe core of the question. Um, we are a uh, supervisor. Uh, what we can do is uh, to be clearer about how we uh, understand and interpret the rules and what we expect from the market. So one of the things we did in response to what we learned from the Innovation Hub is that we uh, created uh, or, or we put on our website uh, much clearer guidance on how to put together the application for the license of payment institution. In response to the inquiries about conditions for operating crypto business in Slovakia, we, we put Q&A uh, on our website uh, where anyone can find uh, the most frequent questions we received. And uh, of course our answers. Uh, and uh, we also uh, are monitoring uh, the environment uh, through other channels because, well, after we saw that there is so much uh, questions uh, from the crypto uh, businesses, uh, well, we, we decided to monitor uh, that part of the uh, sector uh, more closely. We are not responsible for supervising them, but still we want to know what's going on uh, there. And we did a survey of the crypto uh, businesses in Slovakia and learned uh, uh, quite uh, interesting uh, information that we published on our website, make it available, made it available to, to anyone to read, to have better understanding of the sector as well. So uh, then very important uh, lesson we, we learned is that there is always uh, 
room for improving the the rules, uh, and it's the Ministry of Finance that is uh, uh, in power to create and change rules for doing business. Uh, of course, it's also the European Commission who is uh, who is important, uh, but there is still uh, some room in, in, in the different areas, and and we escalate whenever we learn that there is opportunity to adjust something in, in the legislation. Uh, we come to our colleagues, to the Ministry of Finance, and, and we have excellent cooperation. So that's, I think, uh, also something very, very important for advancing our ecosystem. Uh, it's that uh, we have direct interaction with the market, and then we uh, pass uh, the information that is relevant to regulator, that we, we pass it to the, to, to the regulator, to the ministry, and they listen. They listen very much. So I think... This is uh, our experience with the Innovation Hub. Martin Krendel. Yes, um, I, I think or I, I sense the, that the need for clarity and ease of use is, uh, is of vital importance to build a functioning ecosystem with inclusion of regulators and the private sector. And I think that, uh, that steps in this direction uh, would create, would create a, a good substrate to... to uh, to be to be instrumental to um, promote innovation and uh, and uh, application of innovation in Slovak Republic. This is uh, this is basically user experience. If the user experience is good, if the user experience, so to speak, of the state is good, then uh, then everybody is clear on what what has to be done. Uh, the the rules are clear. Uh, there is very very little interpretation that, that can go wrong and i think that this this will this will also ease the ease the role of the state and also promote uh, promote uh, users so to speak this this private sector innovators to come here and to to have clear idea on uh, what they are getting into what are the what are the rules what what are the what are the objectives you are you are pursuing as as state uh, as state authorities or regulators and um, this is this is uh, this is the way that it could be done also uh, we are not at the at the uh, at the cutting edge of innovation in slovakia so we uh, in my opinion we have to look elsewhere learn from them their mistakes and also uh, from uh, from the things that uh, that were done right and we can we can copy uh, these uh, these things that are working elsewhere and put them in and translate them into into real life in Slovakia and then hopefully we can we can uh, close this gap to this to this cutting edge of innovation and that we can translate this to a positive environment uh, for for innovation for fintech for uh, for uh, technology and and uh, become part part of the of the very few that are that are on the top in in innovation and uh, are attracting this kind of businesses into Slovakia i think that also the state would uh, would greatly benefit from having such firms here because they are translating to the market uh, very quickly and they are very quickly either rejected or accepted by the market and we can we can uh, we can see the the we can see uh, how they're how they're doing rather quickly. Thank you. Let's look at the collaboration between startups and the incumbent financial institutions. 
I mean, I believe the bank's going to be here for a long time. So it's more about the interaction between startups in the area and commercial banks today and other financial institutions. How can that be used to accelerate innovation? And I can think uh, we can give that question to Shmuel. As an economist and president of the fintech community, he might have some experience on the cooperation works in Israel. Okay, it's a, I must admit it's a very tricky question because uh, the banks here actually are on both sides of of the of uh, of the equation, if you may put it this way. On one hand, of course, they want to innovate, they want to advance, they want to be seen by the customers and, and be for real more innovative and cut costs and be more effective. Uh, on the other hand, some of the new technologies may uh, threat their historical and uh, well-serving business models that have worked for them for so long. So on one hand, they don't want to miss the boat. On the other hand, they uh, want to uh, last with their current business model or something similar as long as they can. Um, I was present uh, just a week ago in the discussion between the chairman of one of the more established uh, financial institution in Israel and a chairman of one of the uh, unicorns that has developed out of Israel. A really uh, excellent company traded in billions of dollars. And the topic of the discussion was, can banks, insurance companies, you know, the legacy one, really change and be become adopted to, to the new era? And I, it was very fascinating to hear that on one hand, of course, the existing uh, bank's chairman uh, said that we are open to innovation and we adopt uh, uh, new startups and we have uh, innovation hubs, etc., etc. While the uh, unicorn said in uh, very non-polite words, uh, you are doomed. You can do nothing to save yourselves. Your business models, your infrastructure, your overloaded workforce is something that not can be changed. It may take five years, it can be 10 years, but there will no be, be no more regular banks. There will be only the new players on the scene. So of course we can spend hours on, on this kind of a debate but in Israel, we do see that on one hand, the banks are uh, trying to do their best to uh, adopt new regulation, new uh, innovation and, and uh, open the doors to new fintechs. But on the other hand, they, they, they feel threatened. And um, I'm not sure that they know exactly for the long run uh, what is their goal. Uh, but I can't say, unfortunately, that they are wide open to any kind of innovation. And uh, the test in Israel will come very shortly on January 1st. The first digital bank will come into operation. And this will be a very, very uh, interesting uh, way to, to watch what will happen 
with one digital bank and the, another one underway against the uh, traditional banks. Thank you. And um, a digital bank, is it a freestanding bank or a digital bank started by an already existing commercial bank or a new bank piggybacking on an existing bank's balance sheet? Because in my world, the most important asset in the banking industry is a big balance sheet. And I can see banking as service, banking as commodity in the worst case. But what I see is what the banks can do, even if they're not that innovative, is basically to lease out their balance sheet to other operators that are operating as niche banks on top of the balance sheet, basically. Yeah, at least, at least in the case in the case of Israel, we are talking about a new independent digital bank that has nothing to do with the old banks. Anybody else would like to comment on my thought? The banks providing balance sheet basically to niche banks that do niche banking for certain industries or certain groups of people. Can that be the future? Not exactly what you ask, but about the future of, uh, of uh, incumbent banks. Uh, I think uh, uh, Schmara already said that the discussion was not very polite. I think also unpolitely said uh, until the generation that is accustomed to traditional bank uh, bank uh, banking model lives. Uh, uh, that's that's the timeline for the banks to extinct in their form as it is now, uh, and I think that's that's true because uh, uh, the generation that will be completely uh, accustomed to digital environment, uh, non face to face uh, communication, uh, no no uh, no uh, stone branches and things like that. Uh, Will not need the the the, the model for uh, of banks that will exist now. It's only up to the banks whether they will be able to somehow change their models and to adapt. And I think they have like 50 years uh, or 40 years from now to do it. So it's quite a lot of time. Uh, of course, there will be competition from digital banks, as uh, uh, Schmael mentioned uh, in Israel. Uh, we have such uh, all around the world, but uh, I think it will be it won't be a revolution that that will say in ten years there will be all the banks will be doomed. I, I do not believe in this. I, I'm more in pro evolution concept in this regard. I completely agree with you on this. I just think that the banks will cooperate more with fintechs to provide niche solution for niche customers long before the end of the next decade. Yeah. Please, Martin. Yeah, the digital generation is coming of age, and they are demanding these services. So, so the, the only way forward for the for the banks is uh, is to either adapt or or stay with their old model and and use the technology that is out there in the world and implement it in a in a way which which <laughs> the regulator allows. <laughs> And also, also um, the second part of the environment is the is the regulator uh, who who has to see the need and the the push for these technologies and uh, to to 
also push for their implementation, for their safe implementation in, in the, in, within the limits of reason. The first Visegrad 4 regulated sandbox in the region will be in Slovakia. Does this accelerate innovation focused on the financial sector? Does the introduction of the sandbox increase Slovakia's attractiveness for foreign startups and investors? That question we start with. Okay, please, Peter, you can start and then we will ask our foreign guests as well. Thank you very much. So it's us that uh, are creating the, the regulatory sandbox and it was the Ministry of Finance that uh, uh, was a strong proponent of, of that idea and we listened to, to their idea. Uh, we see that as a trend uh, among regulators or supervisors uh, in other countries and this time we're not going to be 20, 30 country in the European Union that is implementing sandbox. We are going to be ninth country, so we are in the top 10. Uh, as far as Sandbox is concerned. Uh, Sandbox is starting at the beginning of next year. Uh, we'll see uh, how much benefits it, it will uh, bring. Uh, the expectations are high. We heard a lot from the industry about uh, how they perceive uh, the Sandbox as something that, that will be... Uh, important in, in, in moving forward the, the whole ecosystem. Uh, it's always, as I said, about two sides. Uh, much will depend on, on the quality of uh, those who will want to become part of, of Sandbox. We do not have resources to uh, deal with everybody who, who, who will be interested. Uh, we want to pick those that are most promising and, and work with them. Uh, I think it, it will take some time until we'll, we'll be able to uh, draw a conclusion on, on how, much, how, how su uh, much successful th this project uh, is. Uh, if all goes as good as with the Innovation Hub, yeah, it will certainly uh, bring a, a new quality to to ecosystem in Slovakia. Thank you. I think we go to Javier. Do you think this will increase Slovakia's competitiveness in the in the scene of fintech? This sandbox approach, suggested by the Ministry of Finance and worked out through the central bank. Uh, I would say that it's a, a very nice movement to create a, a sandbox because um, it, it creates opportunities for newcomers uh, or even uh, traditional commerce to test uh, new business models, new ideas. Uh, so it's definitely a very good decision uh, and it's good to not wait uh, the European Commission because the, I think they, they, they have a project for a European sandbox, but I think it's lighter and it's easier uh, when it's in uh, your own country uh, and if you have a direct relationship with uh, the, the regulator and I suspect that if it's in, like in Belgium uh, the, the regulators are accessible uh, because the country is also not that and I think it's also uh, uh, an added value so uh, I think it's good to transform uh, so, some points that could be seen as weak to a strengthness and the fact that the country is maybe not that big can be a, a, a plus 
for the for the starters and for the the, the scale ups also to uh, to, to get access to regulators to have regulators with a good open mind as we as as it has been said uh, previously uh, and also to have a, to have a sandbox uh, then I think you you have to promote this tool uh, to attract more and more uh, companies from abroad, like our friends from Israel, uh, if they want to, uh, uh, to to set up a company uh, in the European Union, maybe uh, uh, Bratislava is it could be a good option for them. So I think yes, it's a, it's a good decision. Then it's also the way it will be implemented or the way it will be used, uh, and the the workload for both parties, the regulator. Uh, because regulators they have to manage the sandbox and i know it's uh, it's heavy and it's if it's heavy it's expensive and also for the for the for the starters uh, if they have a, a a light process uh, to to start working with the with the sandbox so this is the details of the implementation that are very important to uh, to make it a, a success but i'm pretty sure you you will handle that Thank you, Javier. Shmuel, please, I want your insights on the topic as well. I think a sandbox is an important element. I would put it under nice to have, but uh, if uh, other uh, panelists were talking before how to make Slovakia more competitive, more innovative, uh, encouraging innovation, and we can't complain in Israel, we have a lot of it. I think it's, it's, a, it's an important element, but not the most important element. I think the most important element in any innovation, FinTech included, is the willing of the entrepreneur to take a risk, because there is no innovation without risk. We know that only a small percentage of all the startups actually make it and, and succeed. So the question is how the system, including government, including regulation, help people to make it that allow them to take more risk. Because if they take more risk, more will try, more will succeed, and this will advance the industry. Uh, in Israel, we have a very interesting model that is now studied by other countries called the Innovation Authority. And the Innovation Authority, after looking into new ideas and new startups, actually does decide if support it or not. If they do support it, it is actually a very, very interesting proposition for the startup. Because if they don't make it and they fail, they owe nothing the government. They can, the, the government takes a loss. If they succeed, what the government takes from them is a very, very minimal uh, percentage of some kind of, of uh, royalty, but really negligible. So with this instrument, the startups, the entrepreneurs are willing to take higher risks. And because more are taking risks, we see more uh, companies. And just to uh, mention one figure in the fintech industry, in Israel, which has only one, about 9 million people, we have now close to 700 startups only in fintechs, which is an amazing number. And it's mainly through these instruments that encourage you to take risk and not to be afraid to be an entrepreneur. 
Thank you, Shmuel. I think it's very important words because that's one of Europe's weakest points, risk capital. It's hard to have access to risk capital. There's not one European market for risk capital, but lots of natural markets for risk capital. There's not a one-shop stop for risk capital. At the same time, the average European keep their money in the bank, earning 0% interest, losing billions through inflation every year. And the startup scene and growing companies that are already successful have a hard time raising capital. I understand that most normal people are skeptic for startups, but at least growing companies that do generate profits, again, they're relying on the banking industry and the traditional banking for its capital for growth. That is a big European problem. And my question is, of course, what can we do about that? There is the initiative of the Capital Markets Union, yeah, but uh, I think in, in, in Europe it's more cultural thing. I, that's, that's my opinion, that uh, the, the position of banks and banking fi bank financing is so strong here that if you ask any company uh, that wants to have capital to do some investments, how is uh, it is going to do that? Uh, they they will tell you that they uh, they go go to the bank then they ask for a loan. Uh, it's changing now. Uh, I said there was the initiative of the European Union uh, on Capital Markets Union, but I think it does not work uh, because. Uh, when you have when you have evolution of capital markets like in the UK or or in the US, uh, you have different setup for businesses to think about finding new uh, new capital. Really, the setup in Europe uh, is I go for a bank. What is changing now? I think is that uh, we have uh, crowd investment uh, companies raising. Also in Slovakia, some there, there there are there is one very uh, advanced, but there there are also European platforms that provide uh, such such investments. It's not really venture capital, but uh, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, it can really provide capital for a startup or a company that is somehow working uh, a couple of uh, a couple of years to to grow. Uh, and I think it's it it will take time. I think it will take maybe fifty years or so when the when the not the platforms will be here. Also, the entrepreneurs they they will they but uh, to be where U.S. is now uh, in these terms, uh, raising capital through market, uh, it will take at least fifty years because the the mindset needs to be changed and. Uh, not every entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur is uh, is able to and willing to do such change. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, also I think that we have uh, this this uh, group of uh, early adopters, early investors, and maybe maybe so to speak, early majority that that are willing to to take their money and take some risks. And I think it important for these individuals which have some experience or are uh, have a risk appetite to be also from the regulatory point of view be allowed to risk 
their capital in in such in in this in this type this type of investments i i know that we must we must uh, and i honor that that we must provide a a safe environment for the for the average citizen but there are there are also also groups of people which are which have appetite for risks and so which are uh, aware of the risks that uh, that they are undertaking in in investing in in this way and i think that it is important to 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 have in place a structure which can support them uh, in line with with the with the regulation. My question here is: uh, Do you propose or do you think that state is, uh, should provide such a platform or structure, or it's up to the private uh, private companies to do so and let the state? Uh, like don't like let them do their work and not to intervene too much. Um, the intervention, I think, would be would be needed. I, I see the see the role of state uh, in in this to be to be provider of the of the playground of the regulatory playground, uh, which which could be which could be principle based and not uh, not. Uh, um, not based on, on, on any hard rules uh, and, and such principle-based regulation could uh, could also be be uh, not as time sensitive not as not as uh, in need of, of uh, frequent changes as the, as the as the situation progresses and I, I think that this in in some way could be could be the way forward also but there is there is also uh, also a big role of of, uh, of the private sector to to cater to such demand and to to as you as you rightly said to change their their mindset and their their uh, risk adverse behavior uh, uh, because there is much to gain I will comment on it as well because uh, this crowdfunding is great. It's perfect for startups, but it's so unregulated so the investor doesn't understand what risk they're taking. Because even if the startup is successful, the startup might just issue more and more shares and dilute the, in the, in the initial shareholders and so on. That's why I think uh, we need a regulatory framework preferred on the European Union level so it's the same in each and every country to make an even play field. That's the problem with national versus European legislation. Uh, what we discussed, the, pa the panel before us uh, discussed the MICA, the markets in uh, crypto assets, and there were questions whether it's good and whether it uh, won't create more barriers. But th this is the case where the European harmonized legislation is needed because when you have vacuum, when you have regula no, no regulation or just a partial regulation, and then you have these national regulations that are competing each other it doesn't work well it can work like for five to ten years to boost uh, the, the the companies in certain countries but then if you really want to use the potential of the european market you need to have the same rules so in this regard I agree. the other hand it's always with the regulation i say say this be careful what you wish for because we we like to regulate a lot, you know. Uh, so, and then sometimes it's uh, not me personally, but you know the the, the others. Uh, but uh, really, sometimes then it can end up with something you really didn't 
and didn't expect. That's that's what I named too much regulation. Uh, that was where I was going with the with the framework or, or with the with the playing field regulation, uh, because too much too much regulation and too stringent rules are are di directly contradictory to to any innovation, any any new ideas, any new tech. Still, even though the disadvantages of uh, not unified capital markets, there's still 30 fintech unicorns in Europe. It's quite a good number. Unfortunately, UK is counted here as well. It's about 22 in the European Union, which is not bad, mind you. On the other hand, the United States got 81 unicorns in the fintech industry. Uh, so obviously Europe with a much larger population is behind here when it comes to unicorns. And that is what I connect back to the lack of risk capital and the difficulty of, difficulty of starting a business. Given that this is far from hopeless, we have a fintech bonanza 2021. Uh, fintech industries have raised over 10.4 billion in the first half year 2021, which is more than in 2019, which was the best year so far for the industry due to COVID 2020 was lower. So we raised more in the first half year this year than we ever raised in the whole year before. So there is a bonanza for the industry, no doubt. So there is risk capital available. This, and my question is, if anybody uh, have any idea how we're going to con continue to be able to raise cap risk capital in the future? I think Martin, how will we raise, yes, Martin Kredel, how will we raise risk capital in the future? In Slovakia, in European Union, this sandbox approach, would that not attract more capital? What do you think? I think that uh, that it will it will highly depend on the implementation of the sandbox and on the on the rules uh, because because as as I was saying I will circle circle back to my to my previous argument uh, that uh, if if you are to test something safely and under the under the uh, supervision of the of the regulator you should have e you should have it easier than in, and in the in the real world while providing reasonable safety or reason, reasonable uh, reasonable uh, regulation but you should if if you make it harder for the businesses to test their ideas than to do the business outright then we will discourage them completely and uh, and uh, any 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 um, company with uh, some appetite for risk will go directly to market and we will have so to speak the wild west here so so i think that this is with respect to the sandbox this is this is one important tool that we have at our disposal to make it to make it easier and more user friendly to use this sandbox to test out ideas to get to get uh, the regulator to experience the technology and uh, the ideas which are then brought to mass market and also i see a a great deal of uh, of experience to be gained by the by the regulator by the state uh, by being able to see the the technologies the the advancements firsthand and and dig into them and uh, get to really know them and understand the underlying technology which is which is uh, which is instrumental to get an understanding for the for the industry and uh, where it is going this i think should be should be some steps that could that could enable us to raise more capital uh, than this year. Thank you. Regarding your question whether there is enough uh, risk capital, I think there is. When I had a possibility to speak to people who are responsible for venture capital and 
and seed capital and funds. Uh, they say they the problem is not with the money, the problem is with projects. Uh, it's what Schmeil said. Uh, it's about the risk appetite, not on the side of the investors, but on the side of uh, entrepreneurs, because uh, there is simply lack of lack of projects that are advanced in a way that uh, they can be invested in. And th this is something what regulatory sandbox can help with, because the companies will... It will be easier for them to come to a stage where they will be more in, uh, interesting for 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 the uh, uh, for for the investors, and it will be also more. They will be maybe more willing to take the risk if they will be in a close cooperation, or they will have the possibility to cooperate with the with the supervisor. Thank you, and I would like to speak to Javier. What he thinks about the risk appetite and risk capital in the future of Europe sitting in the center of the European Union. Yeah, so I, I confirm that European Union and uh, Belgium as well is very conservative and uh, the, the very risk adverse. Uh, then we have to define what are the needs of the different uh, companies and uh, it's related to their maturity. And I think if we want to, to, to build uh, unicorns in Europe, first we have to build startups. Uh, because it's a question of quantity. Uh, more you create startups, uh, higher are the chance to build a unicorn. So um, I think everything starts with uh, with the funding of uh, seed and pre-seed money for uh, for startups. And um, we, we problem in Belgium. It was really huge problem how to fund um, startups uh, at the beginning. The governments, because we are a federal country, so there are more than one government, uh, they, they started to invest money directly in start, but I don't think it's the good, the good usage of public money. So instead to do that, they change their mind and they create a huge, huge um, fiscal incentive to push people uh, to fight against their own uh, uh, risk adversity. And so uh, people started to take risk because there was and there is still an advantage uh, to invest in startups. So it's, it's uh, what we call the tax shelter. And uh, this um, incentive creates a huge uh, a flow of money uh, to, uh, to startups. But then comes the, the next uh, problem. Uh, you fund your startup on the pre-seed or seed level, and then comes the Serie A. And then the difficulty with a small country like Belgium, and I think it's the same in Slovakia, it's uh, to have companies that have a market size uh, enough uh, to develop themselves and to reach the next step. Uh, and this is not solved yet in Belgium. So uh, we have a lot of companies that are funded uh, to, uh, on a seed level. When it comes to Serie A, it's much more complex. Uh, and what's we, what we call the, the dead valley, uh, is really problematic. And then what we do in Belgium, uh, we, 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 we go outside the country uh, to find uh, venture capital uh, to fund the next level and the next development. But it's not that good because uh, they prefer to invest in their own country uh, despite they invest, but it's not uh, the same valuation, for example, as uh, the a similar company in France or in UK. And then also they want to uh, to move 
the economic core of the company uh, to the country where they are. So it means that we see companies moving to UK or moving to, uh, to France uh, because there is more money on that side. So I think the next step is how to find a way to create national uh, uh, VCs that uh, are uh, able to invest in Series A and Series B in the companies. That's uh, uh, another challenge. Uh, yeah, that's another challenge. And I have a similar question from Shmuel, a small country like Israel with 9 million people. How is Israel solving the issue with risk capital? Yeah, I would say that historically, and uh, maybe surprisingly, the early stage has not been a critical question here. First of all, because of the government support that I discussed earlier. And second, there is a big community of angel investors and local venture capital firms that were supporting uh, ventures in their early stages. The main difficulty in Israel was at the growth stage. There was not enough capital for companies to grow beyond uh, round A or round B even. Um, and not every company will want so is able to go public. So there was some kind of a death valley over there. And the end result was that people, entrepreneurs were exiting too early. They were happy to sell the companies at the early stage and there was no growth. This has changed dramatically in the last, I would say, three, four years, where more and more growth capital came to the Israeli market, both by local growth capital funds and many international players, both venture capital and also private equity. And today, I would say that a company that has the potential to grow and to expand itself much further would rather wait and, and, and grow up. And as a result, we have for the first time in Israel, not one and not two, but a number of unicorns in fintech, in other, in, in cybersecurity, in other industries, because they have the availability of the funds. They are investors looking for such opportunities. So I think the outlook in Israel for risk capital, for venture capital, is, is uh, quite optimistic. Thank you. I have one question for Peter here. Uh, that is really the European Union Payment Service Directive, PSD2. Is that still a major driver of fintech development or is that wave almost over? What is your comment on that? Well, we have uh, around uh, 200 uh, PSD2 uh, businesses in Europe. Uh, since it's a, it's a quite new directive, I would say that it's a, a quite a success. Uh, and PSD2 opened uh, the or, or created the open banking uh, not only for uh, startups, but it also uh, enabled uh, incumbents to, to connect uh, and uh, gather information uh, from other uh, banks uh, and provide that information to, to customers in single application. So I would say that uh, 
it it was a step in a in a good direction. The market is uh, quite lively. Uh, over past two years, we licensed three uh, entities um, that uh, got a AISP or PISP license under PSD two. Uh, and we still receive uh, uh, quite a lot of questions about those business models. Uh, but PSD2 also, also brought uh, challenges uh, that, need to, that need to be addressed uh, in revision of the directive. One of the most important challenges is that there is no single European standard for application protocol interfaces, uh, which creates a lot of costs. Uh, for those startups that want to uh, engage in that type of business. So uh, I think it, it was a very good idea. Uh, it created a lot of opportunities, but there is uh, quite a lot of room to improve. Thank you. According to a recent survey, three quarters of fintechs see their primary business objective as working with traditional financial institutions, which underlines the bank's going to be here in, its, in more or less the current shape for a very long time to be. However, the profit sharing between the bank and the technology company may change over this time period to some extent. Yeah. And our time is up, so it's time to round off this. So everybody get a chance to say some final words if they like before we finish. We can start here with Martin. I just want to thank everybody participating in this in this panel, and also also to our audience that they that they uh, <laughs> have stayed with us until until the end. I think that uh, some great ideas were shared, or, or or some great discussion was had. And I also thank my my uh, co-panelists here, and give the word to Martin here. To the next, to the next yeah, thank you very much for having the opportunity to discuss here this topic. Uh, and uh, what I take from this is that we had we have a lot uh, to learn. Uh, there is a, really uh, a lot uh, that we have we need to think about, and we can improve. But uh, on the other hand, there is a lot we already already uh, did in order to provide or to support uh, fintech here in Slovakia. Uh, and I will be happy if uh, we will stay in, somehow in touch uh, because uh, the jurisdictions as Israel and Belgium, they are really really similar in, uh, in size and also in the basic uh, principles uh, how they operate regarding the regulation. So uh, there are a couple of questions I have to to uh, to our co-panelists, and I'll be happy if we if we can stay in touch and discuss uh, really further some issues. Thank you. One or two sentences from my side. Uh, <clears throat> I would say that uh, uh, building a viable fintech ecosystem takes time. Uh, it's 18 months since the National Bank of Slovakia prioritized uh, fintech. Uh, 18 months ago, we were uh, not that much welcoming to, to innovations. Uh, it changed. Uh, we are very much in the listening mood. Uh, I see a, a lot of stakeholders uh, in the audience 
that I know from the many interactions we had over those past eight, 18 months. Uh, we, we need to work together, we need to cooperate because uh, if we give up, if there, there is no interaction, uh, then we will not advance. So I would like to encourage uh, those with innovative minds uh, to, to use the opportunities we, we create uh, and platforms we have and, and come to us and talk to us uh, so that we can work together. And over to our foreign guest, we start with Xavier. It was a very interesting exchange. So uh, again, uh, thank you very much for the invitation. Indeed, there are similar similarities between uh, Belgium and Slovakia, uh, size of the country, uh, size of the market, market size, etc. Uh, I think what I what I what I saw uh, very positive is the involvement of uh, the policymakers of uh, Slovakia, the government and the regulators um, in in the event, uh, and also in the. Um, in the in the fintech industry in general, and I think it's it's the key to to the development of this uh, of this sector. So uh, those are very positive. Um, like a lot of countries, you have a lot of challenges uh, to face: uh, how to attract uh, equity, how to attract companies, how to attract good uh, projects, how to attract human resources, which is uh, a huge problem nowadays in Europe. Uh, but then it's. Uh, it's uh, what uh, every entrepreneur uh, faces every day, so I think it's very enthusiastic. So, uh, yeah, very positive on that. Thank you. Shmuel, our last speaker for today. Okay, uh, first of all, really thank you for inviting me and having me on this very important panel. Uh, we are eager to develop even further our international cooperation on fintech. We are very happy to have met uh, Finas and uh, we'll try to do more with them. And of course, we are available to every uh, Slovak entrepreneur, policymaker who wants to exchange views with us, who wants to collaborate with us. Uh, I think it's a part of the game. FinTech and innovation at large are not a local uh, uh, game. Uh, it's, it's an international one and uh, opening new adventures and new contacts are always very, very helpful for us. Thank you. And I would like to thank all the panel members, the ones abroad, Javier, Shmuel. I would like to thank the panel members are here. Martin, Martin and Peter. It's great to have you on the panel. <laughs>